Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to episode number two of the Jacob Eliason podcast. Real quick, before I dive into this today, I just want to give a shout out. Um, I sent the first episode of this out to like a handful of people, um, just like really a small group of folks who have kind of rocked with me since I decided that I was going to jump into this podcast game. Um, and I just want to say thank you guys for taking the time to listen to it and provide me with some feedback on it, um, and also to let me know how excited you are about this moving forward. Uh, it means a lot, um, and if you're listening to this for the first time, go back and listen to number one. It kind of lays the foundation, really, for uh, what I, kind of the vision of the podcast and, and what these episodes should look like and what I hope for them to look like and expect for them to, um, but go back and listen to that. It'll give you a better feel for what we're going to talk about today, which kind of brings me to today's episode. So let's kind of dive into this. Um, last week, I kind of gave like a vision casting and today it's kind of like, and I'll actually mention it in just a second in the podcast, um, but kind of like laying the concrete on top of it um, with what I want to do is kind of go through a couple of the core concepts that I've subscribed to over the last four or five years that looking back, I've seen significant impact in my life from in a, in a couple different ways. Um, one specifically, which is what I'll dive into towards the end of the show. Um, but really just kind of wanted to, since I've got the vision laid out, kind of give some building blocks to move off of, um, for the next episodes. So recently my church, the church that my wife and I attend our church hired a new pastor and this wasn't one of those typical new hire type situations at a church. Uh, rather, it stemmed more from some issues that happened internally that led to the pastors no longer being there. And so, so obviously, this was a, a very big and delicate and important um, issue for the church to spend time on. So the process took like 18 months, almost two years. Um, and then in October, the new pastor started. In October of 2019, our new pastor started. And um, what he did first is he said, look, he told the congregation, like, over the next two or three months, um, I'm going to have, I have a few series that I'm working on. And what I want you to know is that those series are going to be, um, you know, my vision and the foundations for what I want kind of the next chapter of this church's life to be. Um, because the church was, has, has existed for almost 20 years under the same leadership. This is a big deal. And it really is like turning a chapter, um, turning to the next chapter for us. And it really impressed me because he understood the situation, the weight of it. Um, he knew what he'd signed up for and just kind of in the middle of lots of uncertainty still, uh, pressure and really probably feeling like that he needed to prove something. Um, it was important to see him lay that concrete to start building up from there. And that's, I tell that story because that, that concept really impacted the way that I wanted to present this moving forward, um, to share really a few foundational things that, um, more like my worldview and, you know, different ideas that I subscribe to that a lot of this, a lot of who I am, a lot of what I do is built off of, um, because one of my biggest goals with this project is to you know, relay an authentic message about whatever it is. Um, and so today, 
I want to share one of those concepts that has proven really for me to be not only a strategy that works or a concept that works, an idea that works, but it's produced like the driving habit that I feel has fueled a lot of what I have going on and allowed and, and helped get me to where I am today, which by the way, I have not figured any of this out yet. Um, I mentioned that a little bit in the first episode. I'm in no way an expert, but I want this to serve as like an audio. I think the term that I use is an audio documentary of, you know, certain things that I go through as I go and try to build a life that, that I want because I believe that it's possible. Um, and one of the small hopes I mentioned, one of the kind of the big goals just a second ago, but one of the small hopes that I have with this is that some of the beliefs that I've subscribed to, and that I really feel like there's, you know, momentum behind that I can kind of validate those and connect with people who are on that same wavelength. Um, and again, you'll understand a little bit more of what I'm talking about as I move through. Um, but that's one of the small hopes is that I can kind of validate some of these, you know, ideas that have been circulating in my head. So I, I, I encourage your feedback. I want to know, you know, how you like it, how you don't like this. Let me know. Shoot me a, a DM on Twitter at Jacob Elison. I'm always over there. Um, but if you're listening for the first time, just give me a shout. If you're listening for the, if you listen to the old podcast, let me know what you think about the new thing. Um, and again, thanks to those who already have let me know. So an idea that I've struggled with, but I so, so choose to believe is that there's millions of people like me in the world. Um, you know, one thing that I've read is that feeling like you're the only one that thinks a certain way is common, even though there's so many more people that also think that way, you know, the concept of you're not alone. And I think that's a super difficult thing to realize. And it has been for me. Um, but I have to believe that there's millions more people like me in the world on the understanding of this is kind of like the greatest time to be alive. The opportunity that exists in the world, the different options that people have to be able to make livings and build lives literally around anything that they want to. And if they don't want to go sit in an office or work for an organization, they don't have to. Like that's, that is the way people are moving. And I think that there are millions of people like me in the world that see that and that are so close to being able to grip onto that and believe that, but still feel trapped by whatever that is, whether that's, you know, the security of a paycheck coming in and not really feeling comfortable enough to make a leap and make money for yourself. Uh, for me, I was very dependent on a direct deposit. And, you know, that played into a fear that I had to face um, and take a leap. But, or maybe you're just in an area where you're surrounded by family and friends who don't see things the same way and you can't help them understand it or explain it to them because their entire life they've been without it. You know, there's so many different ways you could feel trapped and literally be looking at your phone and seeing those opportunities play out before your eyes every single day. <laughs> and again, I have not figured this out. I've not figured out this lifestyle of, of laptop luxury sitting on a beach, but I, I have to think that I'm much closer today than I was last week. So I, I just, I, I believe and have subscribed to the, you're not alone. Ra however, it is difficult to wrap your head around, um, especially when it's kind of a, a private thing, a reality that you discover in yourself. 
Um, I also believe that there's people generations ahead of me and of my generation that feel like they're super late to the party and that that's going to keep them from jumping on the same opportunity that literally everyone has. I don't think that age matters anymore. Um, the barrier of entry to so many things is low. Um, but that also kind of scares me because that means more competition quickly. You know, you, I don't have the exact number, but if you knew how many blogs were created daily, you would understand the fear that goes into trying to be a full-time writer and or podcaster. Uh, so anyway, I think age doesn't matter. Anybody can play at this point. And the big thing that, and what I want to pause and say is like, these are kind of umbrella stuff like big umbrella ideas that kind of shape all the little bitty things that I do, the directions that I go on a daily basis. And these are not all of them. These are just a handful that I think are important in the context of kind of what we're talking about today. And the last thing is that I really just kind of believe that the millennial generation plays an enormous role in moving the world forward. And this is not a political thing. This is not, I'm not taking a stance here, but we're the largest generation on earth. We're dominating the workforce because of our interest in cities and being in metropolitan areas, cities are being forced to build residential space and cover up every patch of grass or rooftop they can find. We're taking over. We raised the internet as our little child. And quite honestly, the millennial generation has been a direct influence on the direction that it's taken. I would say this, and this is being pretty conservative, but there's a decent chance that the future of our world, the conservative part is decent. There's a decent chance that the future of our world is on our shoulders as a generation. And I consider that to be a pretty significant role. And that is something that I realized over a period of time that I have a part to play in a much bigger picture than just me. And I get it. Not everybody's going to have these same beliefs. That's the whole point of believing things. But what I see is whether it's seeing opportunity in front of you and not knowing where to go, or it's realizing that age doesn't matter and that anybody can play, or if it's saying, oh my gosh, I have a responsibility to make something happen. I want to leave some type of legacy. Something has to happen. There's a common denominator there. Whatever personal experience shaped your ideas, there's a, there's a common denominator, and it's this. You have to keep moving forward. The only way is forward. Maybe you're, maybe you are trapped in a job that you can't get out of and you, and you're looking and you know, and you're watching YouTube videos about being able to build a business online and you see it and you're like, man, that's within reach or you just don't know where to start. Or maybe you're living in a city you grew up in with, you know, differing lifestyle views and political views and goals and dreams than your family, your friends, you know, commonalities in your city but you know that you have a job that would pay more than enough for you to move to a bigger city and start fresh you just don't want to feel guilty for leaving people there's a handful of different ways that I've felt trapped that I know other people have felt trapped and I don't think that that's just a one-off thing when I said my hope is that kind of to validate these what I hope is to connect with other people who have felt that because it's one of those things that you need community with and that you need to see other people. That's what's so big about social media is people want to see other people continuing down that road so they know that they're not alone. And so maybe you're trapped or 
Maybe you just really don't know where to start, or maybe you don't even know how to start, but you believe in yourself. At certain point, there's a reality that you kind of have to start somewhere. And more often than not, that's at the bottom. And I think if you would ask your parents or your grandparents, your great-grandparents, what that meant, it would look something like going and getting the degree and starting at the bottom of a company and working, working, working your way up to leading the company and then getting a job at a new company with a better job and then working, working, working your way up and continuing that ladder until you retire and then just sit around for 30 years and hope you have enough money. That's just not really where I wanted to head. So when I looked at starting from the bottom, I was like, well, if the people that I know and trust are probably going to give me this answer, that's not really the answer that I believe to be true. Then what? And so when I graduated college, I really just kind of felt average and out of place. And I was kind of confused and being pulled in different directions. Really felt like I didn't really know where I need to be. And that I'd kind of wasted six years of my life by not really caring about my future from a, an academic or intellectual standpoint. And kind of just coasting through, um, you know, doing what I'm supposed to do or what I'm being told I'm supposed to do or feel like I'm supposed to do to make this happen. And what happens there is reality hits like a wrecking ball. Uh, and <laughs> that happened. And for me, the way that I made that small decision to start moving forward a little bit every day was by picking up a book. Uh, that allowed me to slow down. It allowed me to escape a little bit and allowed me to spend some time connecting with the greatest minds in the world. I was reading words that they put down on a page. Almost telepathy, as Stephen King would discuss in his book. But 10 years ago, I would have called somebody a nerd for saying any of that. And that's one of the biggest ways that my life and my, per and my character and everything has changed because of books. And what I learned is that as I began to read those books, it began to compound on each other. You know, as you're reading through a nonfiction book, it'll often recommend another book to go and, you know, pivot off of that same subject. And then that book will recommend another book. And you find yourself being introduced to new ideas by the experts themselves. And that compounds on each other. And it was stuff that that I was interested in or, or learned to be interested in and ideas that I could inject immediately into my life and job and see some kind of, not return maybe, but I could see how it plays out and see it in action, apply it. And then at some point, this light bulb went off that biographies were just a, a book that says this is exactly how someone succeeded. And when that clicked, I started devouring those. And look, you may not be a reader. You may not have ever read books before. And this may not be anything that you're even halfway interested in. What I'm saying is picking up books worked for me. It's worked for a lot of other people. Um, there's, you know, Amazon was founded on books. If you want more validation of what books could be or the power of them, um, Amazon started by selling books and they've been foundational for me. And I've just kind of developed a system on how I could, could I, I knew that I had to develop a system and build a habit or it would phase out. Um, and so the first thing that I did was, um, I just decided, really, the first thing was just like, I had to decide that this is what I was going to do. And disclaimer, this may not be something that works for everybody. Much like I said, you may not like to read. I encourage you to start um, because this whole kind of process has, has done a whole lot for me, a lot of positive things. 
Um, and I would, I'm going to encourage it to everyone. Um, but I've done it kind of so consistently that I built this little system. And disclaimer, I kind of only read nonfiction books. I prefer to, if I'm investing time in reading a book, I want to learn something from it and not just hear a story. Um, this is no hate on fiction. I'm a Harry Potter fanboy. I'm a fiction boy too. But I rarely read fiction unless it is like a famous novel or some critically acclaimed book that I just can't help myself lots of times on like vacation. So what I kind of did is I made a little system that helps me to like at minimum, I'm getting three books a month in, which is pretty good. You know, it's 36 books a year if you can do it consistently. That's a whole lot of new information. If you're not someone who reads a ton, I think you could see tremendous value from that. But this is kind of exactly how I formed all of that. And so it's funny because coworkers used to tell me, because I, I would kind of start telling them like, well, how, they're like, how are you reading so much? Well, this is kind of how. And they would be like, you just don't know what it's like to not have time to read. And I get it. I don't have kids yet. So before you exit out and be like, oh, this guy don't know what he's talking about. I'll say that you do have time to do 1% every day. You just choose to spend that 1% of your time doing other stuff. Um, and I'm not trying to be mean. I had to come to that same reality. Um, but if the constant obtaining of new knowledge doesn't hold any value to someone, then taking time to read isn't going to either. So the first thing that really I had to come to terms with when I wanted to start reading you know, a lot was that I had to redefine the rules of reading a book. And by that, I mean, for a long period of time, audiobooks didn't count. It's like, oh, it's listening to a book. That doesn't count. Or short books didn't count. Like I had come up with some litmus test for how many pages were required to be able to say that you read a book. Um, and these were just silly mental blocks that I had from just sitting down and doing it. And, uh, I used to say, well, ebooks, uh, I just would rather have paper. Um, I, it doesn't really let me take notes very well, even though like 90% of the things I underline, I don't do anything with in the book. I just have a pen there. So it wasn't like it, I was doing it so much that the ebook would inhibit me from doing it anymore. Um, so yeah, those are those two main things that I had to like realize was that it doesn't just have to be a physical book. I can read an ebook. I can read a short book. I can download a 20 page ebook from some influencer on the internet and talk about it or, or, or read about it. And I've read a book. So that was kind of the first thing was to just kind of scrape all the rules that I thought about reading. Um, and one of those rules being like, put bad books down. Like you gotta, you gotta enjoy this. Uh, you, you, you gotta want to read. The ways that I want to read is I don't, if I start reading a book and I don't like it, I just put it down and don't feel guilty about it because you didn't, you bought it and didn't read it. It was like 20 bucks probably. Um, I don't know who decided that you have to read books that you don't like, but this is not high school and this is not college. In fact, if high school and college, you know, pushed people to read books that they really liked, that they learned from more, this, you know, maybe more people on earth would read is all I'm saying. But I created a little happy place for myself. If I've got, if I'm on a couch with my blanket, some coffee, alternating back and forth between vanilla and hazelnut creamer, and I got the dog underneath the covers right beside me, and it's before 8 a.m., I'm in my happy place. I got nobody talking to me. I got nothing making a sound. The, light, the daylight's probably coming up. My thought is whether you're a suit, whether you're in a suit in an office or sitting on the toilet, 
knowledge doesn't discriminate. So take that as you will. But that, that is one thing that I did to make myself, those are two things that I did to make myself enjoy it. Um, or to find reading to be enjoyable was to put bad books down and read in a happy place. And the third thing was I really mastered the morning to be honest with you. I slept until 11 AM until I was 22 years old. I was more concerned with other things than getting up and being productive. Mornings were like miserable to me. I didn't even want to wake up, but I found an interest in reading and writing and then immediately was able to start getting up earlier. Almost immediately when I found something that I actually enjoyed that was worth me waking up for, I started getting up earlier. And I think that's a testament to whatever that is that you enjoy that can get you up out of bed in the morning. Look at that and then look at opportunities for a career. That process really started with like 30 minutes a day, waking up 30 minutes earlier and reading that whole time. Um, and now currently it's between like 90 minutes and two hours. I try to read at least an hour and a half every day early in the morning, nobody else awake, getting after everybody else before they wake up. There was this time period during like the, the extreme when I was reading just extremely a lot. I was getting up at like 4.30 in the morning regularly out of almost nowhere. Um, and the main reason was that but I was struggling with like really extreme anxiety related to my job at the time. Um, so with how my workday went and just how mentally exhausted I was at the end of the day, the only time that I could really carve out to do it was early in the morning. Um, and again, I just found that I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. It got me out of bed. And, you know, my point here is that if you want to make it happen, you just have to make it happen. And that's a lesson that I've applied to more than just books since then. And for a long time, I felt really guilty reading at work, even though the books that I was reading directly associated with like sales and management and leadership which is exactly what I was doing on a day-to-day -day basis. But I don't know why I was so, I felt so guilty and didn't do it. I ultimately made a decision to read for like the first 30 minutes in my office every morning. And not only did I learn a lot, but it helped me with my productivity. It helped me accomplish the stuff that I wanted to accomplish because I kind of got in that right frame of mind with something that I enjoyed to kick off the day. And just to say it, I believe that reading is research and research is work. So, that's kind of the, the thing that I did to shift my mentality on, you know, knowledge and books and, and really how to just keep moving forward. Like if there's one thing that I can do every day, it's to just learn something. And if I can't go out and really focus on learning something out in the world, then I have an opportunity to do that with a bookshelf behind me. So I developed kind of this little formula. So for the next few minutes, what I want to do is kind of go through the process that I use to make sure that I read at least three books a month. Um, and it's like the simplified version that you can take and just apply it immediately and probably start reading three books a month in no time if you just decide to do it. So I read one physical book. Physical books are usually around 20 bucks. So you're looking at 20 bucks a month. I read this either in the morning before everyone wakes up or at night for like 30 minutes before I go to bed. If you don't read and you're going to start reading, I would start with self-development books for your physical book. It's something you can hold. It's something you've invested in. And most of them are cheesy, but I finally gave up on hating on the motivational type stuff because we need it. We really do need it. And so start with the self-development book and get, get the gears rolling and, and try to enjoy that book and keep, keep kind of going in that direction. 
I like marketing and basketball too. So I tend to lean towards this genre, that genre at this point. Um, and so if you like those, hit me up. I've got tons of great recommendations for like a little starter list of, of marketing stuff and, you know, basketball books as they associate with life and leadership and stuff like that. So on top of the one physical book, you know, you can look at the book and break it down. If it's 10 chapters, that's, you can do a chapter a day and that's 10 days. Um, so take that, you know, that's not a, not a chapter a day. That's not part of this whole deal. It's just like break it down into chunks where you know you can manage it. Uh, but on top of a physical book, I do one audio book every month at least. Um, audio books, you can do Amazon Audible. It's 15 bucks a month and you get a new book. And this is what I read like while I'm driving, um, when, I'm at, when I'm doing work, like I'm on the computer, writing stuff, walking the dog, running, whatever. Um, on the way to the gym, there's so many different opportunities to listen to an audio book. And uh, the audio book is my favorite source of biographies. So the first one I ever really listened to was Bill Clinton's biography, autobiography. And it was awesome just kind of having him just like in my ears telling me his life story while I was like driving around and stretching and at Kroger uh, and running. And it may sound weird, but it kind of got me like hooked on having these people just tell me exactly how they did it. And uh, a good audio book for my basketball fans out there is called Relentless. And it's by Tim Grover. And he was like the trainer for Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. And like he wrote a book about all of that and all of the greats. And he talks about their mentality and their mindset when it came to training and development and stuff. So that's a good recommendation. And on top of an audio book, Again, I recommend Audible. It's easy. You can download them from your phone and listen to them right there. Um, on top of an audiobook and a physical book, I like to throw in an ebook as well. And what I want to say is the ebook can vary from free to like 15 or 16 bucks is usually the max that I'll spend on an ebook unless it's something really good. Mostly because if it's really expensive, it's probably really long and it's going to take you a whole lot of time to consume on your phone. Uh, so I really like anything from free to like 15 bucks. Um, and there's, a, there's tons of places that you can't really take a book. That's why I like eBooks. There's tons of places that you can't take a book. And I found myself just like sitting there wishing that I had something. And what I have found is that eBooks allow me to like fill those voids and makes that time where I'm just like waiting for someone or something or sitting around and want to be doing something, making that time a little more valuable. So there's a couple different options for eBooks. Uh, many bloggers, authors, marketing people, influencers, online business folks, they'll write ebooks in their area of influence and they'll like sell them for cheaper or they'll give them away. A lot of people are self-publishing stuff now, even on Amazon. Um, and sometimes these are shorter, uh, but I find them to be really useful quick hitters. So I don't always really add these to my like finished book list. It kind of depends. Uh, but for someone trying to make this a habit of just reading and, and filling the gaps by reading, then, uh, you know, seeing new titles on that book list can feel really rewarding and I believe rewarding myself. Uh, the other option is Apple, like iBooks, the app on your phone you can buy through there. Kindle Unlimited you can do for like $9.99 uh, and get like unlimited free books. Typically, if I'm not doing something industry related, I'll go for like a nonfiction book that reads like fiction, which is more or less like a real story, but not a whole lot to like underline. And I want to say, don't try to do all three at once unless you want to it can be super confusing um, i do sometimes i don't the main reason why i kind of separate the types of books that i read based on the way that i consume them 
that's why I did that was because it got kind of confusing. So I've gotten used to it now. I can do two, three, two or three at the same time. Um, not a huge deal, but that is kind of this formula that I developed to start moving forward. Um, I came to a, a reality that was rather harsh and I knew that I needed to do something to start pushing myself to the next level. And with not a ton of people, I would say, to turn to based on things that I was interested in doing as a career, not a whole lot of people to turn to. I just went to books and started studying the people who had already done it on a bigger scale to start learning that way. And I highly encourage that to be a common practice. Uh, some of my friends call that modeling success. My friends in the marketing industry call that modeling success, studying successful people, studying people who have done things that you want to do to learn how to do it. So I'll leave you with this question based on that concept, that formula, and that price point. What is 50 bucks a month worth to your future? If you're still here, just wanted to say a quick thank you to those of you who stuck around to the end of the podcast. If you want to hit me up, let me know you listened. Let me know what you thought. Um, this is episode two, so I'm still asking, you know, for feedback. You know, what kind of things would you want me to talk about moving forward? What did you like about it? If you think you didn't like about it. So, you know, if you'd like to drop me a review and subscribe. Once you subscribe, you get like a push notification, I'm pretty sure, um, every time I drop a new episode. So uh, subscribe and leave a review if you liked it and just let me know what you think. And um, the last thing is just follow me on Twitter. That's really where I hang out. Um, at Jacob Eliason, J-A-K-O-B-E-L-I-A-S-O-N. Easy enough, right? You may have to go back and listen to that a second time. But follow me on Twitter. My website is jacobeliason.com where I write there. I upload podcasts and stuff there too. Um, but either way, if you want to subscribe to my mailing list to get notified of stuff that's going on, you can do that on my website. You can do that through my Twitter profile, uh, the link right there. Um, or you can just hit me up and I'll put your email on the list. So um, as always, it's been a pleasure. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye now.